Professor Malachi, welcome. Professor Evans, thank you for having me. I am trying to retain my academic composure. <laughs> yes, but of course. But of course. <laughs> this is probably going to be the best 30 minutes on air anyone has ever heard. Absolutely. Y'all are lucky to listen. You're welcome. You are welcome is basically what we're trying to tell you. We're trying to contain ourselves. Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I talk to, or should I say vibe with, Carolyn Malachi a mix engineer, producer, Grammy-nominated artist, and educator. And she is as avant-garde on the tech side as she is in her artistry and is known for being the very first recording artist to accept Bitcoin as payment for her music. Now, soul-stirring creativity is in her genes as she is the great-granddaughter of legendary jazz pianist John Malachi. So it's no surprise that she channels the past in the present to create a brand new means of economically empowered expression in the future of creativity. She released Revenge of the Smart Chicks in 2008 and Revenge of the Smart Chicks 2 in 2009. And her 2010 EP, The Lions, Fires, and Squares, earned a 2011 Best Urban Alternative Performance Grammy Award nomination for the single Orion. Amazing. And now she's set to release another EP called Counter Narrative. And she shared this fun, sultry vibe from her forthcoming project titled Brunch, which she explains as having fun while channeling ill-formed pervasive narratives of Black women and their womanhood. And if this bop doesn't make your head nod and inspire you to make brunch reservations like ASAPitly, then look, we truly can't be friends. And in fact, here's a little taste, which you can catch in full on Spotify. This is Brunch. If I could think of 50 million things we could do today, let's play a little game. Cross you up, then I shoot the J from way downtown. Kobe, would you hit me up about tonight? Thinking wine and candlelight. So, so, so good. 
Now, Carolyn, also known as CM to her friends and Professor Malachi to her students, teaches audio production courses in the Kathy Hughes School of Communications at Howard University, where her research explores the intersection of blockchain technology and data sonification. I can't wait for you to hear her explanation of her research. She is all that and so much more. And I am thrilled to share this glimpse into the future of creativity with you in this episode. And at the end, I'm going to share a little outro, a little outtake of all of the frivolity and the, <laughs> the good times that we had in conversation with each other. Now, before we get started, a quick reminder on digital safety. There are a lot of scammers out there on social media impersonating me and other crypto experts and educators in the space. Look, I need your help. Now, hear this. I will never slide into your DMs to solicit your time or your money like ever. So be careful, make good choices. And in fact, this is so important to me that you receive the best information possible to stay safer out there in those crypto streets. I developed an entire free masterclass about the topic so that you can learn how to move safely and confidently in the crypto space with the security tips and best practices that you need to succeed. So check out all of this information at secureyourcryptobag.com for more information. That's secureyourcryptobag.com. Okay, it's time to listen, learn, laugh, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I am so, so very excited to welcome the inimitable Carolyn Malachat to the show. The sister is truly a Renaissance woman who balances her formidable right and left-brained talents, gifts, and skills masterfully. She is a mix engineer, producer, Grammy-nominated artist for her evergreen hit, All Right. It still slaps to this day. And I didn't tell her this, but it was actually my hype song before I hopped into the session because that's my business, but I digress. <laughs> she is a crypto and blockchain OG, definitely an early adopter, one of the first, if not the first, artists to accept Bitcoin as payment for music. She will tell us in a moment. She's also my sister in academia, a professor who currently teaches audio production courses in the Kathy Hughes School of Communications at Howard University, HU. You know. Let's go. <laughs> and most recently, <laughs> two incredible events happened first, and she'll tell us more about this. She dropped new music, or really, it's actually, it's an experience. It's a vibe. It's brunch, because brunch is a vibe. It's a whole grown unapologetic vibe. And secondly, maybe most importantly, somehow she convinced me to suspend my hashtag no new friends rule because I do live <laughs> by that. But it's okay. I can now call her a forever sister friend too. So I'm really <laughs> grateful for that. We will talk about all of that and more in a moment. But first, Professor Malachi, welcome. Professor Evans, thank you for having me. I am trying to retain my academic composure. <laughs> yes. But of course. But of course. <laughs> this is probably going to be the best 30 minutes on air anyone has ever heard. Absolutely. Y'all are lucky to listen. You're welcome. You are welcome is basically what we're trying to tell you. That's what we're, we're trying to contain ourselves. So I want y'all to pay attention, take notes. There might be a quiz at the end. Mm -hmm. 
as we professorize. <laughs> so let's start off for the one or two or three people who may not know how you've been moving on this amazing planet for uh, for your life. I've described it to myself in preparation for our conversation mm-hmm. as this like constant evolution. Mm. As I, you know, I'll do prep regardless of who I'm speaking to, but I took great care. As much as I know kind of outside looking in, I just wanted to spend more time with the arc of, of how you walk in the world. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. going to just, because it's not just about your career, but just about your movements. I, I, I get that sense looking at your, your videos and things like that. So I'm going to rock with this Renaissance-esque, uh, <laughs> you know, personal and professional <laughs> movement that you have. Talk to us about just how you come to your artistry that is clearly mm-hmm. innate, but even this, and we'll talk more about it in a moment, but just at a high level, your artistry, which mm-hmm. you've been working on as a creative as an athlete, <laughs> cross you up, shoot the dead, Jay. Way downtown? Wait a minute. Kobe? Wait a, wait a minute. minute. Stop it. Wait a minute. Wait a, wait a minute. minute. <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant person wrote that. I'm just, I'm just here to report the facts. Right? So you got creative, athlete, mm-hmm. educator, visionary. How do you view yourself and explain, just, you know, share your, 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 you know, your brief bio with us and mm. we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit more. I, I think of myself as my parents could not have done a better job of cloning themselves. <laughs> I'm like 50-50 each of them, and I have to give them a lot of credit. My mom is from Ohio and Bowie, Maryland, and, you know, she came from folks who, if they, they still live on that land, they've been on that land for 100 plus years. You know, she always, you know, was never afraid to pursue any of her interests. She always had the strength of family behind her. Mm-hmm. And my dad, very similar, he's from Washington, D.C., but he, you know, was very, very tough. And he would always say things to me like, you know, you're kind of only as good as your last accomplishment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And it might, it might sound harsh, uh, but... I think it was very instrumental and very important for my upbringing because Mm -hmm. I'm never satisfied. If there is a laurel to rest upon, I I wouldn't know it. I I can't see it. So, yeah. And I think those two, the combination of, you know, my mom's sort of creative freedom and my dad's, you know, just, just, and my whole, everybody in my family, everyone has always emphasized to me the importance of education, the importance of Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, the importance of progress, of honoring the struggles of people who came before me and um, honoring my own voice and honoring my own interests. And so whether that's, whether it's because I'm the great granddaughter of a jazz phenom or, you know, the descendant of some very strong people, some very smart people. I just try to walk my own path and pray that it's the right one. And it it allows me to, you know, be a blessing to other people. When you come from that type of artistic, creative, musical legacy, 
is that in the back of your mind, the forefront of your mind, mm-hmm. obviously it, it, it exists at the cellular level. You came in, you know, mm-hmm. to this world with that, but was it, is it kind of like on your shoulder talking to you or mm-hmm. is it encouraging? Is it, is it sometimes overwhelming? Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with the legacy? It's changed. Um, mm-hmm. So my great grandfather was Jan- John Malachi. Um, he was a jazz pianist, um, one of the first jazz professors at Howard University. And when I first started, when I first dipped my toe into music, my family was excited and obviously would bring up stories of just him bringing people over the house, you know, and stories of seeing him at shows. But then in the D.C. area, especially when it came to like jazz clubs or uh, jazz radio stations, that it was just sort of always celebrated his legacy was celebrated and I always felt that I had to live up to that Mm -hmm. and I think it skewed my music in a certain direction I think I went more straight ahead jazz when really inside and all that stuff was there it's natural to me you know I do that you know with my eyes closed but at that same time I'm very I very much was in like a Tom York frame of mind (laughs) (laughs) so just trying to reconcile these two Things at that time when I started was hard because I felt obligated, right, to to walk that path. But now, like I guess in my meditation or even like reading about him, I have fortunately have a lot of articles and have met people who knew him. They said that mm-hmm. he he walked his own. He he was true to himself and he was a very nice person. <laughs> so I, 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 I you trying to channel that too. <laughs> that's that's the thing that's most important to me now. Just you know, be a good person and be true to yourself. Yep. Absolutely. When you think of your success, particularly early on in your career, you're nominated for a Grammy. At that moment in your career, was it right on time, (laughs) early, late? What what was your relationship to the external accolades Mm. that were coming in your direction? Mm. I I was very new to the Recording Academy when Mm. that Grammy nomination happened. So for, for those who are listening and you know about the Grammy Awards, that's awesome. You should also know that it's a peer voted award. So you can only vote on the Grammys if you are a member. So that said, I joined in 2009 and members of the Academy heard my music. And Mm. in 2010, um, that nomination happened and I viewed it as a celebration of not just what was happening then, but maybe what was to come because it was Mm. it was my maybe third project. But the first one actually put a lot of personal resources behind Right. And I I just as I've continued to be a member of the Academy and like see just how important the pursuit of excellence is to members and how, you know, folks put that first. I do feel that I've grown so much. So now it feels very much like that was the beginning of something, because that's when I really started to, you know, dig in deep to that community and mm-hmm. learn from folks around me and I learned some things were possible that I didn't even know were possible that I had these geniuses who were willing to share were willing to work on projects with me and were willing to teach you love listening to podcasts but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast maybe you want to build a brand grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. 
Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Mm, That's really, that's important for people to hear too. So thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that. I definitely feel like that would encourage others. Everybody views people as this overnight success. You had this entire connection to your creativity and the development of it, Mm -hmm. but you have this seminal moment that really is an anchor point that now when you look back, you feel like that was really the beginning of something. I I do, Professor. I do. (laughs) Excellent. So how did this... (laughs) amazingly creative artistic person find their way to technology oftentimes people think that creativity and technology are completely separate disciplines you found your way well you please share my understanding is around 2013 or 2014 but when were you first put up on game with with bitcoin in particular (laughs) uh and when did you decide yeah that's good i'm in i'm in (laughs) well Picture this, Sicily, 19... No, just... <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, quiet as it's kept. Um, so during the Great Recession, I was like maybe two years out of undergrad. And mm. like a lot of people, you know, my, my job was no more. Poof, it went up into smoke. And I didn't have a lot of resources at the time. But I had a whole lot of time as a resource. (laughs) And I spent that time doing a lot of reading. I started a company and, you know, learned how to write grants and all that stuff. But I still had a lot of time. So I was, you know, I remember being at home and I was like watching Bloomberg and I heard about this thing called Bitcoin. I was like, what is that? And (laughs) I just started reading about it. I read the white paper and I... What, what was my first foray into? It had to have been Coinbase. Mm. It had to have been Coinbase. Right. Literally. Yeah. Unless you really built your own wallet. Yeah. There were so few options at the time. There were right? so few options. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was that. And then, you know, once once you're in the space, and at that time it was so small. Right. There were so few people. But I remember I had had some folks who were overseas and they wanted my music and they couldn't get it you know they didn't Uh, have paypal they didn't have you know some other options so i was like let's try this bitcoin thing (laughs) and it worked it worked and amazing i just you know it's it's been such a great and warm community in most most regards i remember playing um an early bitcoin conference in texas and i met uh leif and and lamar uh, those brothers. So just, I just have always felt really supported in, in this community and have tried to spread the gospel. <laughs> you definitely, you're definitely out in front on that. And, and I can tell when I think of um, certainly Lamar, um, Bitcoin Zay mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Is, is definitely, those are also early folks in our community, the black community in particular, focused on an alternative means mm-hmm of exchanging value yes. that doesn't require the permission mm-hmm. of the gatekeepers who would have us not participate. <laughs> and there are many, there are many. And also 
I think when you're coming out of something like the Great Recession, you are just mm-hmm. looking for alternatives. You are looking for options to just sort of get stabilized. And mm-hmm. a lot of my projects after the the EP, after the project that got nominated, you know, those were funded by crypto. Right. I, it really became a way for me to pursue my craft and just to not speak generally you know when you're an independent artist you are an entrepreneur if you are playing with a band even if it's just you and you're in your house with your computer and your interface these things are are not free most of the time you have some form of overhead and you realize quickly that if you invest whatever resources you have in uh, the things that will bring you more opportunities then you know this starts to snowball you start to you know, you're able to accomplish more and pursue more opportunities and I, I realized that pretty quickly so I was very fortunate that I found Bitcoin when I did because then I, I wasn't spending the few resources I was getting from mm-hmm. my company I had this you know I guess at the time I was calling them dividends, but I had these profits. On Let's the side. go. Come on, CEO. You know, I, I had you. I had you know this this pot on the side that was growing, and then it wasn't growing, and then I learned. And I went through so many cycles, and I'm really grateful that I was uh, was there early. are listening to the Tech Intersect podcast with Professor Tanya M. Evans. Powered by Advantage Evans. I say the same to be sure. I um I entered the scene very cautiously mm-hmm. and I was definitely a doubter. My my legal mind trained me to be extremely critical of anything that has the potential for legal financial consequences for sure. Mm-hmm. A friend um, in 2017 who was in a, she was um, at the Newhouse School um, at Syracuse and was in some type of working group. And it was during the era because it was also at the time of initial coin offerings mm-hmm. <clears throat> ICO boom and bust and all of that and so the the kind of the word on the street was blockchain not bitcoin mm-hmm, I remember. it was a you know right <laughs> so it's like oh, I don't know if you can have one without the other but let's go with it mm-hmm. I didn't know enough at the time to really have the pushback mm-hmm. because I, I love the technology as I'm as much as I do the potential for economic empowerment and, mm-hmm. and all the other things um, on our own terms uh, but it was interesting to me because of blockchains that record transactions and balances. It is done through software. The software is open source. I was starting to get um, questions for people who wanted to actually build in particular um, in the Ethereum ecosystem. Mm -hmm. But interoperability is one thing. Monetizing on top of a stack that is open source is something different. Mm -hmm. So it presented a really interesting opportunity as an intellectual property lawyer mm. to kind of say, I don't know about all these 511 other things, mm-hmm. but I know IP. Mm. So let me take a deep dive and see the intersection of, in my case, intellectual property and blockchain and see where it led me. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of your 
um, not only what you are, well, especially what you are teaching right now at the intersection of your expertise (laughs) and blockchain, right? Did you find yourself saying, let me anchor myself in what I already know and then go beyond that to make sure that you're also educating other people? Is that Mm. kind of the path to uh, education of others for you? I think I, that's a really great question. I do sort of see myself as a guinea pig. <laughs> right, me too. <laughs> so, so I um so where I am as far as teaching in the classroom right now I'm at the I'm in the research phase. I'm making sure mm-hmm. that so let me back up. Um I created a system or designed a system called a call and response. It's patent pending. Let's so, go. Come on, IP. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much my I, client has I no further say. comment. Yes. But I, I'll just say in 2023, there's a, a research paper uh, coming out that'll talk about the system. And um, one key element of this is of the system is sonification, which is representing data as sound. And mm. I have to thank my professors at American University, grad school, go Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They um uh, they introduced me to this idea that you could take information and use numbers to trigger basically different sonic parameters, or you can mm. use the inflow of information to initiate the playback of an audio sample. So what I'm looking at in my research is how do I take information from the blockchain and use that, represent that as sound, but toward a specific purpose. And I think that's where I'll, I'll stop talking about it. But um, it's fun to work on projects like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult, but uh, my hope is that, especially for artists who are performing on platforms like IG or you know YouTube Live, Facebook Live, that they can interact with their audiences in a very Mm. meaningful way and at the same time receive real-time compensation for their work because that's what it is it is work that we love right but it's work (laughs) (laughs) and also work when you say work it necessarily means that there's some compensation Mm -hmm. so let's get into that Uh, um, let's get into we recently had uh, the beginnings of a conversation around this persistent um, trope of, of creativity, mm-hmm. this idea of the solo, first of all, the solo creator mm-hmm. somewhere doing it altruistically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let me say this before even moving forward, as a creator myself, back in the day, performance poet, when Deaf Poetry Jam was a thing, coming up in the Philadelphia experience and all of that, and just all the other things that I create it is not the economic incentive that has imbued me with this 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 talent to mm-hmm. be able to um, to create. Mm-hmm. That being said, if this is what I'm on the earth to do, and I have to keep the lights on and That's have right. my own standard of living, I shouldn't be a pauper. <laughs> I can't help many other people. <laughs> if I'm saying I would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. today. <laughs> For the OGs. Come on, Gen X. It's not her. It's me. So she don't even, I don't know why she's laughing. She don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she's judging me. You hear that? You hear that, folks? <laughs> I had to reach back. But she knew it, right? So 
talk to me about this idea of like why it should be either or and i believe it should be both and i suspect you do as well i'm a both ander as well Mm. but here's (laughs) so lately i mean i've been trying to understand the nft space before i jump into it i mean i was going to like okay let's just throw my it's sort of like the way i did with bitcoin let's just do it but um there are some things that I personally need to figure out before I'm comfortable. And so I've been attending various, uh, you know, spaces, just listening. Right. And I hear often folks say, <laughs> folks criticize people for wanting to do more than just put their art out there, quote, and these are quote fingers I'm holding up. <laughs> um, I I hear a lot of phrases like you know why are you in the space you need to uh, observe why you're in the space well I mean I think we have to understand that some people have the luxury of some people have the luxury of not being in the space mm-hmm. it's like I feel like that question is akin to well why are you it's like why are you working Why do you need Mm. money? Because I'm flesh and blood and, you know, folks have families. And so when I approach the space, I I think in my mind, I'm still that sort of like kid who didn't have a job and was trying to figure out a way to survive as, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're not really grown till you're 30. All right. (laughs) You're not grown till you're 30. But um, I think... There are a lot of people, especially, especially now, who mm-hmm. do want to pursue a path that is that is nat- feels natural to them, that feels like the right thing to do. They know they have the skill. They know they have the time. They know they have the patience. They know that they have the passion for it. Mm-hmm. And they know that they're educated. But maybe... Maybe they aren't all the way tapped into those avenues of immediate revenue. Maybe, mm-hmm. and you really thinking about this, like I'm an artist, so that means I put out music on um, digital platforms like Apple Music and Tidal and Spotify. Right. And I'm very aware, as are many artists, very aware of royalty rates and that it takes seven months sometimes for you to get your first check so there's so many different factors um, that artists have to consider when they're releasing music the the I, I might be sidetracking here but no you're good you know the process of even producing music uh, for some styles for some genres like jazz for example those are that's that's a lot of high overhead so if you tell an artist hey um here's a way for you to for what here's a way for you to just put your your music out and the real win is for people to listen to it first well that's great i want you to listen to it first and then i want you to tell all your friends and then i want you to come to my concerts but oh this pandemic and uh there are no concerts right there are there are only only so many (laughs) tiny desks and they're (laughs) right and then now that we're sort of starting to emerge and you know there's all kinds of you know things that are happening I, I still feel like it's just very wrong to 
penalize an artist for wanting to survive, uh, to live well doing what they love to do. And think of uh, all of the creatives that are sitting at a job that they hate. My God. Because everyone Mm -hmm. around them told them, you're amazingly talented. You'll make no money. Mm -hmm. Go get a day job. Mm -hmm. And the when I think of the disruptive impact of Bitcoin and the alts at this point Mm -hmm. on the financial system, we have the same, and I've written a lot about this at this point, the disintermediation of music Mm. and creativity. So many of the same intermediaries, those gatekeepers that we mentioned earlier exist in the music world, exist in the art world, Mm -hmm. giving you permission to be put on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with digital technology and the internet, it transformed the way that you could, as an artist, have direct impact and mm-hmm. um, connection to it. But it still it's, yeah. it still takes money, resources, time, um, and all of that. If we do this right, there are a lot of things. There are cautionary tales to be mm-hmm. sure. Of course, so I'm never going to overstate because it's so early we're in this nascent stage so many things could go wrong it's software it's buggy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you have scammers Mm -hmm. we have rug pulls we have things that even if people aren't scamming the lights go out because 80 percent of businesses actually don't work Mm. that's not endemic of of you know um of the crypto space or the nft space it is what it is Mm -hmm. But, you know, so again, we're back to both and ism mm-hmm. of, of really leaning in. And I do encourage you, consider me your, you know, personal resource. <laughs> and now thousands and thousands of people have heard me say that uh, as well, because I believe very strongly in it as a matter of um, one of the many feathers in the cap of, of economic empowerment, mm-hmm. particularly for creatives. Yeah. And we, we need that. Like. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you know, musicians don't have retirement plans, Mm. but that doesn't have to be the case, especially with, you know, uh, with it, with an interest bearing account, if you're staking, you know, stables. Right. So, but a lot of folks don't know that. And yes, we are very early, but I just see, I see so much promise in the space, but I'm right now watching for the regurgitation of mm-hmm. the reality we currently have the the what i keep saying for everybody who's um an advantage evans club member or folks who are in my courses the failure at a macro financial and economic level mm-hmm. across the board given the cycle that we're in it actually looks a lot like in some sense what it looked like in t- 2009 when satoshi was like enough already Mm. january 2009 you know first bitcoin transaction Mm -hmm. we have a memo that mentions the epic failure globally Mm -hmm. and at that time it was a brilliant idea small group Mm -hmm. but needing an alternative Mm -hmm. and we fast forward to 2022 pandemic Wars, rumors of wars is very revelationary, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I digress. Where's my tambourine? Uh, Where's my tambourine? Come on, pass the plate. <laughs> Let's go so we can get out of here. <laughs> right? We have inflation, the Fed's ticking up interest rates. Oh, man. Um, all of those things, that is also not a failure of crypto per se, but it is not mm-hmm. um, impervious to all of the other things. It is an asset class in the larger. Mm-hmm. And when you think about diversity of portfolio, 
might want to have something very aggressive that also offsets with something that Mm -hmm. is not. Um, If we're going to really play this game to um, not only secure ourselves in this generation, but for generations to come, nobody ever created generational wealth just on a high income Mm -mm. and a good government job Mm -mm. and a burial plot, Mm. which is often what we hear in our community. Mm. So it's about having for payday lenders. Come on. We're off of payday lenders. I'm trying to say keep, it again. I'm trying to keep people. <laughs> stop it. Just stop. No. We're the Spike Lee film. Right? <laughs> Wake up. Wake up. But you know, I mean, and again, like no shade, no fault. If that's what you know, that's what you know. But the job of community is to help us all, you know, do better. And mm-hmm. I, I think that we have what I've seen in this space is, you know, there are a lot of folks who are idealists and are crazy dreamers. And you got to mm-hmm. be a crazy dreamer to make an impact. But let's remember the folks who maybe are, are very wary of technology, very mm-hmm. wary of any, very wary of the idea of investing, maybe don't have the luxury of saving right now. Um, what are we going to do to mm. make sure that all, if we're talking, if we're using algorithms to create a more just society, like let's not create this perfect heaven in pixels and code and forget that some people are really living in hell right now. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. It's powerful and it is so true for this moment. And it will unfortunately always be the case in many respects. So no one's coming to save us. And the idea of self-sovereignty, of you know, self-custody in the space mm-hmm. can be very daunting mm-hmm. because we've all been um, taught, indoctrinated yeah. is the word mm-hmm. that's coming to mind, mm-hmm. um, to rely on other people and not trust mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Come on, so perhaps <laughs> as the, like, the mindset shift that will lead us to part two in the not too distant future of this conversation. I feel like we have to have like crypto chat with Professor Malachi. This is like, <laughs> this, is like this, is, this is hot. Y'all are welcome. Remember what I said earlier? You're welcome. Oh, what do we man. need people to do to begin to prepare themselves to avoid the FOMO mm. and also the fear of missing out and also missing out? Mm. Two things can be true. Um, I was interviewed recently about the risk, isn't it risky? It's risky, risky, mm-hmm. risky, risky. Is it the risk of at least not learning the language mm-hmm. and having the information so that you can be more discerning to be able to lead yourself to why is Bitcoin kind of like the literally gold standard? What are some other opportunities in the space? Um, 
what what's the danger of sitting on the sidelines? What's the danger of getting in? Uh, what are your thoughts mm. of where people need to be in terms of their mindset? I I think at least in my community, folks are generally risk averse. Um, very financially conservative. <laughs> so I, I think there has to be maybe just a, a decision made to take a risk <laughs> somehow. Mm-hmm. And even if that risk is, you know, you're risking spending an hour of your time learning about this when you could be, you know, doing something else. You could be, uh, you know, I don't know, building a house or right. you know, playing with your kids. Like that is time you're choosing to spend time learning. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I think you know a lot of folks are also just the same people who I'm I'm saying are kind of risk averse are also very early adopters of technology. Yeah. But I think when it comes to finances, and if you're not used to having a certain, if you, there's just so many. It's so layered. I think. Mm. Yeah. The space has to respond to and be welcoming to and not be predatory. Right. I think the space itself needs to say, hey, like somebody's and it it should be very familiar. And if you're listening and going, what are you doing? Well, for the past (laughs) (laughs) for the past, you know, decade or so, I've tried to have I have tried to have I have had many one on one discussions with other artists in particular. Mm Um, there are organizations that I'm a part of, and I speak up um, when I hear when I hear that an organization could potentially benefit mm-hmm. from uh, a blockchain-based solution, um, be it Bitcoin or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I think this is sort of we're in a in, we're in a moment where each one teach one mm-hmm. is very Im- important. And if you care about your loved ones, um, I would say, you know, just just talk to them, just spend time in a very non judgy way. And, you know, you don't have to talk to them about a whole bunch of financial principles that you don't have to talk about dollar cost averaging or anything like that. Just, you know, five minutes, tea, coffee or, you know, something else brown that you put in your cup. Just (laughs) spend some time. That's also your business. (laughs) That's also your business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> However you get there. Just spend time with people, you know. Professor Malachi, um, important words to begin the conversation. The mindset shift comes and, you know, we're biased as educators, but education in the space. Mm-hmm. No good has ever come from burying one's head in the sand mm-hmm. or vehemently opposing something that you read about in a headline. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes those headlines are actually driven by the very people who stand to lose if you, as a matter of self-determination, if we're going straight Kwanzaa principle, mm. as a matter of Kuchu Come Chakulia, on. Let's go. Let's go. Can you see it? If you're going to lean this is in. the blackest thing I've ever <laughs> done in crypto. My God, today. Did you know Satoshi is black? <laughs> I need one of those shirts. I need one of those shirts. Mm. Excellent. All right. Before you get in trouble, let me let you get out of here. My client has no further comments. The only thing she's now going to tell you is how they can learn more about this amazing, amazing experience that is brunch. And also this amazing, amazing experience 
that is economic empowerment on your own terms. So how can they learn more about you and your work? And I, I will drop this also in the show notes. <laughs> uh, so I completely forgot to tell everyone that I have an album coming out. One, <laughs> Your people are going to kill me. I promised them. They'll, they'll <laughs> kill me first. But <laughs> I'll be resurrected and, you know, haunt you. But let's go. Um, oh, I, re- I rebuke it. But. I am, yeah, the album is coming uh, August 26th. There's nothing I can do about it now. It's uploaded. So (laughs) it's going to land on Apple Music. You can pre-order it as of August 5th. It's called Counter Narratives. Mm. And the lead single was Brunch. And then the next Mm -hmm. single will be called Under My Own Weather. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Do you want the the perfect listening link? Ma'am. You already know. Okay. I was. I should say it in my Frida voice. You already know. Is, is she going to sue me for that? I might take that out. I don't know. <laughs> the attorney mind. Exactly. <laughs> it won't let me be. <laughs> Carolyn Malachi, my sister friend forever. forever. You can't. You can't. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm so grateful. Oh. About that, Professor. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is the first. This is not the last. And, um, I'm really excited about the future of creativity and the future of wealth uh, because it includes people like you. Um, you're going to be our Harriet Tubman, our sojourner. Wow. Wow. Let's go. Oh, wow. no, no pressure. No pressure. I'm All right. Each eyes. one, teach one. Yes. Because everybody can't be saved is the point. I just, I just want to be in my life as refined as the Tanya Evans. <laughs> I just want to be as slick and shiny and articulate and knowledgeable as the Tanya Evans. I don't know where she's getting this from, everyone. She just really wants to come on the show again. And, <laughs> no. and it worked. It worked. Because when the, when the album comes out in August, you already know. We've got a little cameo. I appreciate you. Likewise. You are listening to the Tech Intersect podcast with Professor Tanya M. Evans. Powered by Advantage Evans. And finally, a quick reminder on digital safety. There are a ton of scammers and bots out there on social media impersonating me and others and promoting scams, etc. All the fake engagement. So just to be clear. Now hear this. I will never slide into your DMs to say peace and blessings or hey, or to push any Forex or none of those things. I will never reach out to solicit your time or your money in DMs. All the information that I provide is in this podcast and on my websites at ProfTanyaEvans.com and of course, AdvantageEvans.com and TechIntersectPodcast.com. I'm not a crypto trader. I'm an educator and an attorney licensed in four states. Thank you very much. I'm here to inform, inspire, and empower. No cap and no forex. So be careful, make good choices, and to help you protect yourself out here in these social media and crypto streets, I've developed an entire free masterclass about the topic. So check out secureyourcryptobag.com for more information. That's secureyourcryptobag.com.
Okay, that's all for now. I look forward to spending this summer in session with you. So until next time, continue to shine. I took you down. I can't even see you. I'm looking at my notes. I can't even see you. <laughs> Amazing. I'm holding up a card right now that says Professor Evans made me do it.